Welcome to the Rodney in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Wong. Damn, hold, let me do that again because it sounds like I fucking mumbled that shit. Do it again. <clears throat> Enunciate. Enunciate. Use your words. <laughs> Roll your tongue. <laughs> Red leather, yellow leather. Go. <laughs> Welcome to Karate in the Garage. in the garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Waff. I don't think that was any better, but okay. It wasn't, but let's just go with it. <laughs> Third box of candy. Damn. We got here fast, man. Yeah. I wouldn't have said we got third box of candy this quickly. I mean, but here we are. We're here. Yeah, man. I mean, it, that month blew by. It, it did. And it helps. It, I mean, it helped. I mean, it's not that much of a difference between this month and most months. It's only two days, but. Right. But we also started late. <laughs> and another <laughs> thing too, if there were 30 days in this month and not 28, we wouldn't have another episode anyway. There wouldn't have been a fifth no. one, so it's all good. Unless we released it early. Right. Hey, look at this, everybody. You know what it is. We're closing out Box of the Candy Month with Delirious from 1991. Oh, man. This movie, this is like the most gimmicky movie he has, right? Uh, well, this and Harry Crumb, I think. Oh, that's right. Harry Crumb, Harry Crumb in a lot of ways, is a little derivative of, of this. But did Harry Crumb come first? Um... Harry Crumb came before this. I think it, well, this is a better version of Harry Crumb. Yeah, it had to have because this is 91. We mentioned in the last episode, no, first episode in Summer Rental, talking about he did four movies in 91, this being one of them. The other three we've talked about, not even in this month, but like other months, only the lonely JFK, which we did, it definitely talked about during Summer Rental. And what was the third one that came out this year? Same year. Uh, what was it? God damn it, 91. Why do we're doing John Candy Month? Why I didn't have a Wikipedia open up to to that page? It's beyond me. Career oh, opportunity. Yeah, but he's really. I, I mean, know. I don't, I don't. That doesn't count, dude. That's like. And then the other movie we, we don't talk about. Actually, I you know I kind of fucking love that movie. For I thought we fuck. wait. Okay, so what movie were we talking about when we said we didn't like that movie? Well, it is that movie, but like, there's a, there's a certain weird perverse fucking. No, I have to be in a weird mood to watch that movie. <laughs> you and know, the reason you know why I like that movie because Digital Underground is in it. So I can watch Digital Underground videos. I don't need to see. That's what that. I'm saying. I just watch it up to that point and then I'm out. Um, also, Dick knows Aykroyd's kind of funny. Come on, uh, I can't do it, man. Dude, there's. I mean, so, I'm not saying it's. I'm not so, saying it. I'm not saying it's good. The worst part about it is there's so many unfunny people in that movie that if people look at it and say they're funny, and I and I just can't do it. All right, let's skip it, and we'll, every time we want to say that, we have to talk about the rescuers down under. That'll fix everything. Yeah, because dude, he has the voice of Wilbur. Yeah, yeah Wilbur. All right. Let's anyway, go back to Delirious. So again, <laughs> I, oh yeah, and again, his little cameo in Career Opportunities because he's the one that hires Frank Whale. Yeah. Yeah. So Frank Whaley, I'll get his name right. <laughs> Whaley. Whaley. Is he in JFK too? Whaley is, yeah. He, yeah, plays, he? he plays the other shooter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Him Oswald and, at, the, at the shooting range. Right. Dude, everybody is in JFK. Everybody's in JFK. I, dude, <laughs> I was in JFK. Were you? In the background. I'm, I'm the crowd. Yeah, I'm a crowd I was one during, of the fucking hobo tramps. Um, you can see me in the Sapruta film. I'm, I'm, yeah. just, <laughs> I'm right there in Daly Plaza behind the fucking fence. Hobo oh, tramp. Shit. Cops are asking me out. I was with Woody Harrelson's dad. 
Delirious. 1991. Tom Mankiewicz. Uh, Mr. Mankiewicz, man. He, we talked about him like, um, what, which one of the Bond movies were you talking about with him? Did he direct Live and Let Die? No. No. He wrote He wrote the screenplay for Live and Let Die. Yeah. Well, he wrote the, he wrote, he co-wrote Diamonds Are Forever. And he wrote Live and Let Die on his own. And then he co-wrote with um, Malbaum again with Man with the Golden Gun. So, yeah. But here's the most important one for our upbringing. <laughs> Lady Hawk? Well, no, not that one. Our, our Mother real Jugs upbringing and Speed. Superman. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, or Mother Jugs and Speed. <laughs> that too. With Raquel Welch. R.I.P. R.I.P. Let's Damn. not go there. How the fuck Sorry. did we get there? Look at that, dude. Come on, we're talking about Delirious with Tom Mankiewicz. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh, damn it, Mankiewicz. And he's dead too. <laughs> 2010. She's been a, it's been a while. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's been one of those days. Yeah, yeah oh. it absolutely has. <laughs> Holy shit. Anyway, so like we mentioned, this is kind of uh, between this and who's Harry Crumb, they do have a, they're kind of a little gimmicky. Um, it's a great setup too. And by the way, I love the fucking cast in this movie. It, dude, oh, it's just chock full of people that you just, oh shit, he's in it. I, and I forget who's in it every time somebody new. Oh pops yeah, me up. too, dude. This is this movie is full of fucking all my favorite weirdo character actors from the eighties and nineties. People like, yeah, and I would have never ever thought that they would be an ensemble in one movie. I'll just blast off three right off the top: Dylan Baker, yes, Charles Rocket, the late Charles Rocket, yep. And fucking Raymond Burr, dude. I never thought that I would say this. Raymond Burr fucking kills it in this movie, dude. And when you see the opening credits, right? And, and you get an He's the Anne, last one. And you get an Anne Raymond Burr. And I'm like, what the fuck does he do in this? I, can, I completely forgot. Okay, there is somebody in this that for most of the younger audience or the, you know, the audience that watches a lot of FX is going to go stare at this person the whole time they're in this movie and go, who the hell is that guy? I had to look it up and I'm fucking embarrassed to say this, but Mark Boone Jr. plays this cable man. Yes, in the beginning, right. No, no, dude, totally. I had to stop it and I had to fucking look at him and I'm like, holy fuck. And then I knew who it was because I flashed right to the quick and the dead. Yeah. I was just like, come on. How did I not know that was him? Uh, You guys all know him as for lots of things, but, but if all you know him from is sons playing Bobby Munson, for I mean, seasons was that on seven seasons, seven seasons. He looks nothing. It's not even about age anymore. He just doesn't even look anything like right that guy in 1991. And he's great too, playing that because any of us, like, that's another thing too. The younger audience is not going to get the uh, cable guy the, the whole week cable guy nope. thing. No, never had to wait for the cable company. No, no. And it's a joke that isn't just in the beginning of the movie. You it see, runs, it, it's, yes, and it works perfectly, especially for a movie that I saw on cable originally, right. <laughs> And the whole bit that like, I mean, I'm kind of fast forwarding this, but when Raymond Burr's like, when I got, I can't go with you. I gotta wait oh, for the God. cable guy. Dude, I know. <laughs> Burr is so good in this movie. Oh, I, and, and dude, he's doing the Leslie Nielsen thing. Yes. He's, he's, he's totally playing it straight or the Lloyd Bridges thing. Uh, he, yeah. He's so good. He's so fucking good. You know who it. else is great in this, in this is fucking Jerry Orbach, dude, because this is yeah. right before the first season of Law and Order. Uh, yeah. Sometime around there. But and look, here's the thing. I don't want to say Jerry Orbeck looks young in this movie because he doesn't, right. <laughs> but he's as young as I've ever seen him. I mean, other than Dirty Dancing, obviously. Right. But he's so funny, dude. Yeah, he's, he's so funny in this. Like his bit that him and the female producer. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Is that, it's Renee Taylor, no? 
Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 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 She's so fucking good in this. Oh, and he, you know who I fucking adore in this movie? And, I, and I'm so happy he's in there. And I'm like, or at the very beginning, I'm like, wait, is that Zach Grenier? <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, Doug, my, right? It's not like a surprise to see him in the movie uh, or in something back then. I was but just, just surprised. To see him young. See, yeah. It, it was a trip. Because I'm like, man, he's got a lot more hair on his head. He's balding, but he's still got a lot more hair. He's playing um, Mickey, the best buddy to, to Jack Gable or to John Candy's Jack Gable. Jack Gable is something special in the show. He's the writer and producer of uh, what the fuck's the movie? The show called it's a, a Beyond Our Dreams. That's Beyond it. Our Dreams. <laughs> I, I think one of the reasons why, why the casting works so great on is because you have people that are on soaps, on nighttime soaps, that are known for being in very dramatized narratives like Raymond Burr playing it so straight to the hilt. And that's why it's so funny. And I'm going to say this double building right now, Soap Dish. Dude, I was going to say the same thing. This came out the same year as Soap Dish, yeah. a few months after Soap Dish. Dude, is this an abyss? Leviathan and Deep Star 6? Deep six, deep Sea 6? Yeah, it is, dude. Deep Deep Star 6. <laughs> why deep is star it called Star? God damn it. It's in the fucking water. Well, Star is the fucking name of the fucking mining company, Deep Star. Uh, see, I don't remember that shit. Deep rising. I just, I just <laughs> made that shit up. Uh, but Soap Dish, this and Soap Dish, dude, are totally, you, you could watch these back to back. And they're so good. Yep. But Soap Dish has the more, what you would think of at the time, the high profile cast. Sally Field, Klein, Kathy Moriarty, Hatcher, a very young RDJ when he was maybe still a fucking disaster. Yeah. He, or maybe this was his first comeback, first jab at a comeback. But he, as I remember, he seems kind of like he might be high through the whole movie. And, I, and I've heard this a lot from a lot of people back then. Like when he was going through all his troubles, he was always on time on set. It's just that when... When, when he, he didn't... Yes, when he didn't show up, was, yeah. then, then he was late, like by three or four days. Yeah. That's all. That's fine, man. It's okay. There's lots of little nods too to shows around that era too, and then you know Louise is played by Mario Hemingway, who's like an aspiring actress. The character name on the show that she's trying to get a part for her name is Jan Dubois. That is definitely a, a half and half nod to Joyce DeWitt, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it has to be. Um, Emma Sams again, nighttime soap Dude. opera. Right? Oh Dude, she was so didn't she hot. date Prince? Yeah, we didn't date Prince back in that time. Right, well, I didn't. Uh, well, well, neither one of us did. I tried. Only because he wouldn't have us. No, because even with his heels on, I was still too tall for him. Yeah, you're like towered over him. You probably scared him. <laughs> There's a reason why his drummer sits in the back and drums. He's not really a drummer. He's You can't stand next to me on stage. Go stand. Just sit you're too tall. Drum. Sit behind. Sit yeah. down. But the show is really fun. And unfortunately for Jack, he has a very specific way of doing things. And he's having to deal with these two producers that constantly are fucking him over and doing shit behind his back. The Sherwoods. There's moments in that first scene with them together when he went in there to bust their balls about, hey, why is this? Why are people auditioning for Janet? We said we weren't going to use her. She looked like um, Marsha Gay Harden. Yeah, very much so. And it's like, and now the Marsha Gay Harden now, not back when she was first, you know, getting into the business. But it's every step of the way, he's like getting dealing with shit and finally got to the point where he's like, you know what? I, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't take this anymore. You people suck. Dude, the whole setup of how he, you know, the, the car accident and then when he wakes up, like, it, look, it 
he wakes up and he's in the land of Oz, only it's in his, he's in the middle of his own soap opera. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause he plans a trip to Vermont to get away for the weekend. Right. And then, and then he takes one to the chin. Bink. Uh, the trunk of a car opens up and, and knocks him out. And like you said, Wizard of Oz and, or uh, Peggy Sue got married. Yep. He wakes up, you know. Wait, well, everything that happens after the trunk is because, dude, car accident looks like a fiery fucking, like he goes into the fucking tunnel and it's yeah. like a ball of fire. Yeah. So none of that really happened. No, no. And it's great what's set up because once it looks like a movie, it's cut like a movie all the way to the point where he takes one on the chin and then it starts feeling like a TV show, like a TV show that couldn't afford to show the car accident. <laughs> Right. Well, exactly. Dude, my favorite, my, one of my favorite lines is the movie is when he wakes up and he gets up out of the bed and he's like, Oh no, no God. And he, he tried to get, he opens the hospital door room expecting to see a soundstage. He's like, when do we build this? He's yeah. in a hospital. <laughs> We're going to be over a budget. <laughs> dude, it, and they, and they keep that up through the whole movie. Yeah. The fact that they starts like a feature and then basically turns into a soap opera. Cause my, I mean, I, I my mom was a soap opera junkie. I remember one of the things that this movie and Soap Dish did so well was capture the soap opera world. Oh, yeah. Which is a world of all its own, man. We talked earlier about Raymond Burr. He plays Carter Hedison. They're like, they're kind of like the... The Carringtons. Carringtons. Is that the Carringtons? Because I remember the two families. I can't remember. Yeah. Like, okay. But the, yeah, they're like the Carringtons. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, um, Dylan Baker plays the one son, Blake Hedison. And his brother, played by Charles Rock, is Ty Hedison. Holy shit. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard at anything he's ever done. Nope. Uh, Cause you know, you know him as the dickhead conniving schemer from dumb and dumber. Or, you know, him as David Addison's brother from moonlighting. If you watch that show. Wait, who didn't watch that show? <laughs> I didn't watch it. What? Shut up. I don't like her. Oh God. God. And I'm not trying to disparage Bruce at all. I'm not. I just don't like her. Well, also, you know him as the dad from Hocus Pocus. <laughs> You'll find your way there. You'll find it. But dude, he is so good in this. He is. And one of the things that, the, oh, and again, Emma Sams in this. Is, <laughs> she's so fucking funny. She plays the sister of, of Ty and Blake. And she's from the Colbys, which was a spinoff of the Carrington of, of Dynasty. A Dynasty, yeah. I can't remember. I thought it was the nighttime. The Colbys. Nighttime soaps. And Jack wakes up now after tickling the chin. He doesn't realize he's, he, he doesn't realize he's dreaming, obviously, or is he? But now everything that was part of his world in the soap opera world, the things that he created are now real in front of him. So he's living in this world. He soon discovers that, that he can write things before they happen. Right. And that's the gimmick of the movie. Again, it's Wizard of Oz, but he, he discovers his, his ruby red slippers very early in the movie. He doesn't wait till the end to have somebody tell him, I mean, you, you could have been doing this the whole time. <laughs> He starts writing things in his favor to where he's a super suave debonair, but it's, I, but it's a great buildup because it just starts off something simple where he was writing himself into scenes where he gets to meet somebody and spend some time with them to the point where he writes them as this full on horse riding hero, <laughs> a man who could do nothing wrong. Right. I loved one shot from the trailer though, too, where he's on the horseback. Oh yeah. And he does the shot against the, against the sunset. Oh, dude, it's so good. Uh, dude, there's so many things in this movie that are fun. I mean, dude, when he's driving the car blindfolded and, and, and that that whole sequence is so ridiculous. Like, yep. And I love the fact that most of it's wide outside the car and you you know he's not in there, but right. you hear these ridiculous lines coming from the car. That, yeah. You know, and it's just candy sitting in a chair somewhere on the day. It, it, and he's just <laughs> riffing and it's so good. 
we got to do a little David Rash love here. Yeah. I forgot how much I miss David Rash and shit. And this too, he's, he he's plays so a, good. He plays it perfect. You know, for us, you know, he'd done a lot of different things, but there was a lot of people trying to do an airplane top secret oh, yeah. kind of thing. You know, there was, it seemed like everybody was trying to do it for life and everybody was failing miserably, whether it was a TV show or a feature film. But Sledgehammer did it in a very different way, which I thought was really funny. But Sledgehammer was this, was just a single season that was on ABC, and it's in that vein of a you know the the Abrams uh, Zucker kind of thing. He was a star in that boy. He was so good in that. Uh, but then you would see him later on other things like Kelly Law, Best Defense, and later than that Monk and Veep Veep. He's currently not currently, but I. Uh, He's got a reoccurring on succession. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's still working, but God, yeah. dude, he was, I mean, it's funny because he did what he does in this movie better than anybody at yeah. that time without ever becoming like a huge star, right? right. Like, like a go-to guy for that. Right. You were just always happy when he showed up. In Sledgehammer, he kind of played an arrogant dipshit. <laughs> you know, yeah. very, very Leslie Nielsen from police squad slash naked gun type of thing. And this, where he plays the doctor... He's not very bright, but he's so super lovable. You know, he's like, it's not like that satirical thing that you see with Sledgehammer. This, you just kind of like, you feel bad for him because he's written so stupid. <laughs> right. But he kills it. Man, he's so good in this. And the guy's been around forever. I mean, he was in two episodes of Miami Vice before Sledgehammer. Uh, he's in one of my favorite episodes, Bushido, which is the sort of Castillo origin story. I thought <laughs> we were going to get like a, you know, if, if, if it was now, they'd spin off and we'd see young Ed almost <laughs> becoming <Yeah>. Castillo <laughs> and Surf would probably be in that episode. Uh, but he was in Cobra. I mean, he's been in tons of shit. You know, you know his face probably more than you know his name, even to this point. I just wanted to throw a shout out to the guy because he's in a lot of stuff that we fucking love. Yeah. So yeah, something else that here, I had to look this up because I had to be sure. Um, the DP on this is Robert Stevens. Now you get so many Robert Stevens in there, and he's actually if you look at the if you look at at the guild, it says Robert M. Stevens. And I'm like, how many Robert M. Stevens are there? You know what I mean? Right. Well, the reason why I bring him up is because shot the burbs. <laughs> we shot the shot the burbs, but he shot Naked Gun to see the TV series, which is just Police Squad, and he did all the movies. He did all three of the movies. Oh yeah. So he kind of fits right in the pocket. He knows he knows how to make things look a certain way. He's a good DP. I mean, he does solid, solid work. Um, also, I wanted to point out Tina Hirsch. She co-edited this, and Tina is somebody that I kind of I want to say mentored with a little bit. But I spent some time in in her edit bay helping or, or organize things and kind of transition from into Avid stuff. Um, but she was very sweet. But she's done the kind of movies we talked about. We referred to, we remember we referenced Captain Ron when we were doing summer rental. Yep. So, so she did that. She did Independence Day. Ironically, she did Airplane 2. <laughs> and not One Crazy Summer? Uh, no. Uh, but guess what? She cut the driver. Oh, there you go. So there you go. Look at that, man. Boom, boom, boom. The, the movie, it's a really, I mean, like, again, it's a very clever movie too. It has a bit of um and I want to say they did it, another movie that did this kind of well, like when they, you know, how we talked about it, how it flips from being shot like a, and cut like a film to being cut like soap opera, daytime television. 
it kind of has a little bit of, I, I think of stay tuned. Oh yeah. The way that stay tuned is sort mm-hmm. of cut like classic sitcom stuff. Yep. So shout out to her for sure. I want to say this goes to the, what we had talked about. Was it was the last episode. Was it cool runnings or was it, was it just on some rental? But we talked about how you never have a problem buying John candy ending up with a very, very pretty lady. <laughs> like, right. Because I don't ever question him and Mariel Hemingway. I don't like ever when I'm watching this, like there's no, like I see him pursuing it and I, and I see why she's kind of slowly won over by him because again, he's John fucking candy and he's charming as shit. Right. Even when he's kind of playing a weird goofball. <laughs> right. And I know you don't like her for some reason, but I don't, I, I can't tell you what it is about her, dude. I don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, I like her finding in creator and star 80, but creator, I think might be more around. She's great in creator. Yeah. I think with creator, I think it just might be the part, you know, I think it just might be just, just the whole movie well, as a whole. You know, sometimes it's not the, it's not the actress. It's just, they don't, they, you know, I like her in the things I've seen her in. I mean, I like her in this. I think she's funny as shit. She's kind of playing the Chevy Chase. Where she, everything bad have, dude. She's getting so beat up in this movie. Um, from the first moment we see her when she's on the phone with her mother and he rips her sleeve and, and like, fucking steps on her fucking hand. She is funny in this. I wouldn't necessarily think that she was a funny person, like from her other stuff, which most of it's serious. But uh, yeah, she's actually very funny in this. And that scene at the end of the movie, dude, like it's, it's during the credits when the two of them are ice skating together. Yeah. It's such a sweet moment because I was like, oh, fuck. Look at the big man up on skates. And then they're just, they're, they're not saying anything, but they're just skating, you know? And I always, I was wondering if that was actually shot for the movie or if it was just, they had shot it and just, or it, was that the end they intended or did they just find it? Like, hey, here's some footage of something we shot. And uh, it's funny because that's the only time you hear his voiceover. He doesn't do voiceover right. the entire movie and then he nope. does it then. We got him in the booth doing ADR. Hey, we need you to do this. Here's some wild lines for you to go and throw out there. Yeah. That's how I felt too. It felt, it was well lit that I think yes. you can see the oh, water. Yeah. You could see the water for me from the it's, lights. It's beautiful. It's like, it's weird. It's like a fairy tale ending. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It, the voiceover is jarring. I most certainly don't remember that being in there. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I think it definitely was an add on, And but it, it, it's a nice closer still. But here's the thing. That voiceover still makes more sense than Silver Bullet. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> any chance Too I get? Too goddamn old to play Hardy Boys meet the wherever and werewolf. Any Marty. Chance, any chance I get? <laughs> oh, shit. Speaking of unrealistic movies, um, so, but Delirious, I think it's one of those ones we talked about before where John Candy has a draw for people. But sometimes things just aren't aren't properly put, you know, released. Is this another August movie? Dude, I, I'm kind of getting to that. To the day of summer rental, six years later. Wow. Yep. You're right. You're right. August 9th. <laughs> yeah. There we go. An $18 million movie then. And it doesn't surprise me a bit since I'm, how much they shot on the back lot, right? Oh, yeah. And considering it was all TV people that they cast in the movie for obvious reasons. It wasn't just because of a cost thing. It, was, it made the most sense. It was a poorly advertised movie. And I remember it when I finally saw the movie. I'm like, wait, shit. Oh, this is Wizard of Oz. Holy crap, I didn't know that. You wouldn't know that. The trailer's terrible. 
Yeah, totally. The trailer was really bad. And and it's funny. Like I, t- like I said, I saw this movie on cable, like HBO right. or, you know, whatever, whatever we were watching at the point. But I'd seen Soap, I saw Soap Dish in the theater a few months before. And then Soap Dish kind of came and went, man. And where I, where was I living at that point? I was living in LA. Yeah. So, but I think it came and just kind of went. I was living in Northridge probably or Hollywood, <laughs> but it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like, hey, man, Soap Dish is playing at the Grommets. <laughs> yeah, it had a solid cast, too. I'm not Soap Dish. I meant, like, I'm sorry. I meant Delirious. I knew wasn't what you playing meant. It. Yeah, you know, everybody, because we're talking about Delirious, not fucking Soap Dish. Well, we're making a reference to it. <laughs> right, something like that. But yeah, I mean, this is a movie I saw on cable, and, and I was always like, what the fuck, man? This would have been, I don't know why this movie wasn't a bigger hit. Yeah. Most of Candy's movies seem like they... I think everybody goes and sees it the opening weekend. I mean, 5.5 million in 91 is not terrible for an August 9th release. We kind of said the same thing about summer rental. But you figure that there wasn't much more than that 5.5 box office that came after the first weekend. You know it. You know it it was mostly that first week. Right. But that's back when people used to listen to Ebert and Cisco and Ebert like religiously and and act accordingly. And yeah, they're like, ain't it cool news before there was that shit. Yeah. It sucks, man. I had, I I never really cared for, you know, for Cisco, but I always had a lot of affection for Ebert because he never, wasn't because of what happened with him and all that stuff. But I always thought he. He wrote one of the Valley of the Dolls movies. How how could you not love Ebert? (laughs) Most of the movies I like, he got it understood that the certain genre is better than Cisco did. Cisco was always, he was going to have his way to shit on everything. Roger Ebert went in hoping to like it, except for horror movies. He hated them. This is definitely one of those situations where an audience was affected by the combination of you know, poor advertising and piss poor reviews. I wish word of mouth would have been a little more prevalent for this back then, or, or at least the capability of word of mouth. Because word of mouth these days is minutes old. And it can directly affect the movie the opening day because people right. are so quick to post shit online. Yeah. Okay. Let's say John Candy is is still around and still with us, and Delirious never came out, but now he puts out this movie. Right? Does he get them? Does he get people in the seats? I think it do. You, I think you still drop this movie in March. It's, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't do the the business that the poor business that it did. No. But I know we mentioned box office a lot, but we're mentioning it from the standpoint of as a clear indicator of the lack of audience that saw it when it was in the theater. That's really the only reason why we pointed out. We don't, yeah. Oh, we're not claiming the success of a movie. It's just that we're no. why people would discover things like this. Well, dude, on, and, and as we always say, just because something makes a lot of money doesn't mean it's good. Right. <laughs> I mean, put that, <laughs> one more times than not, it's true. Let me redline the fucking top 20 movies of the last 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> They're all Disney owned. <laughs> but Delirious is so funny. And I don't think, and just like with Summer Rental, this is one of those movies where you people will see them later on, whether it's cable or VHS or fast forward to it just being on a streaming service now, uh, like Tubi. Or freebie, like, hey, you watched it. Right. It's like, I think a lot of people in his audiences hasn't seen this movie yet. Well, it's definitely like, if you ask people, name five John Candy movies, they're they're not going to say delirious. Weird, sadly. Right. And like we talked about with his little cameos, sometimes credited, sometimes uncredited. I feel like they're going to hit those, probably two of those five or more. Because people think he's in there a lot more than he is at Home Alone. 
when you mentioned career opportunities, it's, I've had people tell me career opportunities. I'm like, well, he's like literally in it for 45 seconds. I mean, so much so. And he goes on credit because he did a favor for John Hughes. They didn't want to get paid. He goes, I'm not kind of, I'm doing a favor for a friend. Don't credit me. That's what happened. Speaking of uncredited. <laughs> right? In don't, delirious. Don't, don't blow it, dude. Because it, it was such a surprise to me because I had totally forgotten when it happened. Okay. Well, then I won't say anything. I mean, just for anybody who wants to watch it, I don't want to blow that because it's really funny and it's really clever. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave it alone then. Because <laughs> it's pretty fucking great. Yeah. Back to Raven Burr just for a second. We don't have to put this in, but I don't know why I was surprised that Raven Burr was so good in this because Raven Burr is such a good actor, dude. When I was a kid, I didn't realize that Ironside was... The first time I saw Burr, I never made the connection to Perry Mason. When I was a kid, my mind, my parent, I, I saw Ironside before I saw Perry Mason. Right. I thought that fucking Chief Ironside, like the first time I saw him in something else, walking, I was like, what the fuck? It's a miracle. <laughs> I thought the motherfucker was really, I thought he's, I thought he lost his leg. I thought he got shot. thought it was over. I didn't realize that he was really not, I mean, I didn't get it. I was a kid, right? I didn't understand that. How could he possibly not be fucking in a wheelchair? He's so synonymous with that. For me, I wasn't that familiar with, with Perry Mason at the time. I knew of him. I knew of the show, but I never watched it. But I was so, so married to Raymond Burr in a chair that I didn't think anything of it. Honestly, between that and Godzilla, King of the Monsters, to me... Oh, Godzilla 85. Oh, yeah. but he Right. Had, right and he came back because he was in the original. He was in right. the original Godzilla, the American updated read, version. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he showed and then came back again to reprise his role in 80, Godzilla 85 as Steve Martin. Dun, dun, dun. So, Steve Martin, John Candy, playing strange. See, see what I did there? Yeah, I like it. I like them. I'm fine with that. Anyway, even when you watch Godzilla, I mean, he could be in a wheelchair. Because <laughs> for all like, so you never see him standing. No. So. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know, man. I, I had no idea as a kid. It's an easy thing to, to go with. I, I think I saw more of the, those, the Perry Mason uh, TV movies of the week that they did. And those were, fuck, dude. And they, they brought those back because of. Because of how well Murder She Wrote was doing, yeah, absolutely, and they're and they're good though, and they're good, they are totally good. And it's like, and it, there's, it's almost like not fair that they're on, they're called TV movies of the week because it can, it's, they don't deserve that kind of fate. No, not at all. A streaming platform, this would be a streaming, a streaming movie. This is, yeah. There's a whole channel on Pluto that's just Perry Mason. I sometimes I'll just put it on and leave it on the background. I got, dude, Raymond Burr has one of the greatest voices ever yep. for fucking film and television. Yep. He popped up on one cartoon. Fuck, what was it? Or maybe it was just somebody, probably Frank, probably Fred Weller impersonating him. I mean, Frank Weller, excuse me, other guy. When Raymond Burr shows up in this, and I, by the way, I love that they don't introduce him until he's already in his dream. Yes. And I thought that was so fun. And that could be a lot of things. It could have been the fact that his availability. I, I think, honestly, outside of John Candy, he was probably the most expensive guy on, on the cast. Oh, yeah, I would imagine. So you use him sparingly, but even if it wasn't intentional, it was clever in the way they worked around the budget because once you get that introduction to him, it's great. But, but they're really smart, too, about that with, with the rest of the cast, too, by not seeing him. You're only seeing Emma Sam's. Who else? You see Emma Sams, you see Dylan Baker, right? Right. You see Dylan Baker, Sams. I think that's 
it other than, and then, and of course, Raish. David Raish. And that's it. I think there's only ones that you see. Before you get into the dream. Right. Which is super clever. It's not like Wizard of Oz where you see all the aunts and uncles before. Right. Exactly. All the farm hands. Do you see Nurse Helen? Do you see Helen? You've seen the nurse. You've seen Nurse Caldwell yes, you before do. you get into the dream. Yes, you most certainly do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she. <laughs> and dude, again, she was on Falcon's Crest. Look at that. See, that's what I mean. Everybody is TV people on this, and it's always nighttime type stuff. It's pretty. And she played a hooker in Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> Your emphasis on hooker. Well, anyway, <laughs> anyway, delirious. We, we clearly found our. Well, you know, we already spouted off all the streaming services, so there you go. Yeah, man. Okay, if you're if you're hearing this episode at the movie episode, we just went off like at a 15 minute tangent talking about other shit, <laughs> all and, kinds of shit. And you and if you and if so, you're probably gonna hear it at the tail end of this Kickstarter coming up this week. Because well, and if you're interested, well, if you're interested in hearing it, it'll probably. And if you're from end. Canada, you'll dig the shit out of it. <laughs> Alanis Morissette, Michael J. Fox, Brian Adams. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. So this is how we're ending our uh, Box of Candy month. I, uh, dude, I'm telling you, man. The I, payolas. I think we could do Box of Candy every every February. Then until we run out of movies. Uh, well, then we can oh, do some of Box of Candy. Yeah, and then, and then we, we can just and then, do and YouTube just, videos. We, we just stick John to, Candy as Orson Welles. Just stick to Canadians. So if you want to follow the show on Twitter, it's at Karate Pod. It's the same tag on Letterboxd and Insta. If you want to follow Corey on Insta, it's Culper97. And on Letterboxd, it's Corey underscore Culp. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Rock and Roll 33 on your Instagram or at Tom Cody at Letterboxd. That's Tom motherfucking Cody at Letterboxd. Dot com.